Welcome back, fellow cross-country fanatics. Um, race season is pretty much done, at least in North America. But there's still quite a few things going on. I got a kind of a full list of stuff to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about Iceman Cometh. Puck doing uh, great at a cyclocross race here in the U.S. Uh, the 2024 schedule is out. It's kind of weird. Uh, what else? Pidcock, 25th place after having, sounds like kind of a miserable race at the Little Sugar. And some interesting gear stuff. What else? Ah, that's about it. Let's go. This is Short Travel Magazine. Short Travel Magazine. Interesting tidbits. Curated just for you. Uh, a couple quick tidbits. One of them is the Hall of Fame uh, big induction weekend. That's tomorrow is the big event. Why is this important? I don't know. It doesn't get much much lip service. I don't ever hear anything, you know, just between friends. And I don't really see anything online ever mentioned about it. Now, it is in uh, the west coast of the U.S., which, you know, unless you live out that way, probably never going to actually see the Hall of Fame, although it's on my bucket list. Um, this year's inductees are quite interesting. I mean, it's been going on for decades now, so all the old timers are pretty much already in. Once in a while, I came up, come up with somebody that uh, kind of forgot about, but Rob Warner is in this year now that's pretty cool it seems like you know he's a little youngish maybe we can get uh seems like maybe he'd be some somebody we'd induct in 10 years from now but it doesn't matter rob warner's in gunrita dale flesta i really probably butchered that name sorry but she most definitely deserves to be in with purely on uh you know 30 world cup wins She's the Nino of the women's cross-country field, no doubt about it. Ten world championships, gold medal. Uh, that's pretty cool. So she's in Sean Palmer. Now that's kind of when downhill was almost almost uh, mainstream, dare I say. I don't know. Palmer brought some pretty cool style into the downhill world. I remember actually, actually watching that. Granted, they were grainy, crappy... Uh, videos on tv at the time 96 you know mid 90s late 90s when he came about but man he he was just fun to watch one of those dudes that was fun whether he won or not uh and then diddy schneider now i've never heard of diddy but apparently uh built the first bike park in germany and is kind of responsible for you know more of a trail building than than a racing thing so that's kind of cool Interesting. Uh, downhill, cross-country trail builder, and then, well, I guess Rob would be a downhiller. Although, honestly, everybody probably knows him more now for his Red Bull uh, announcing, so pretty cool. Anyway, tomorrow, Saturday, the 21st, you can show up if you're out there for 40 bucks. You can actually go on a ride, actually, if you're a member of the it's 40 it's 60 bucks for anybody else but you can actually want to ride there's a two two and a half hour ride 
the morning of the event. You get to ride with, you know, anybody that wants to, uh, any of the past Hall of Fame inductees, uh, the new ones if they're riding. Then they have a giant barbecue and all that stuff. It sounds really cool. It's one of those things that if you lived out there, be a fun way to spend a Saturday. Uh, me being in the Midwest, that's not going to happen anytime soon, and you do have to uh, reserve and buy some tickets and all that stuff. But anyway, sounds really fun. And then tomorrow night will be the induction. I'm pretty sure they're going to actually stream it live. I could have swore I read that. I'm looking into that. It's called the Marin Museum of Bicycling Mountain Bike Hall of Fame. Anyway, it's interesting that Canon, Canon, Canyon is the presenting sponsor uh, for the United States Hall of Fame. Interesting. So that's kind of cool that they recognize uh, the importance of that. Uh, what else? The other interesting tidbit is wiggle and chain reaction uh, result. Uh, news came out today that they're in deepy dodo, as they say. They're in trouble financially. Now, being, uh, I, I think I ordered one time from them last year. I was looking to get some fat bike hubs in the uh, 177 rear width, which at the time was starting to look like it was uh, fading out and I needed, I wanted some custom wheels built, so I, they had some Hope Hubs out there at uh, Chain Reaction, and I actually bought them. The shipping wasn't bad; it came about a week and a half. Uh, I thought, hey, you know what? This, this wasn't bad. It's not so much the pricing; it's that they actually had these hubs in stock. Uh, I ended up returning them and, and going with uh, some DT 350s that uh, were found for me which is what I really wanted, but just the same. Anyway, the company that owns them, Cygnus Sports United, is literally one of the giganto companies, um, 80 online sites. Think about that, 80 different sites. Now, they're, they're in tennis, which is a strange combination with bike. I guess it's not that strange. You got all your bikes. You got your bike shops. You got all your tennis uh, stores and brick and mortar stores. You got Wiggle, Chain Reaction. I mean, the lists are, are huge. They have camping stores. They have team sports like soccer. Um, they have all the, they have literally 80 different things going on at least. And the bike stuff is apparently hurt. And they've already completely shut down the tennis um, side, it sounds like, the uh, some of the retail stuff. Now, Nuke Proof is one of the big brands, Vitus. I mean, I, it's they're not huge over here. Nuke Proof still makes me chuckle when I think that it's the same logo and everything. Obviously, purchased the name from somebody of the original Nuke Proof from the early 90s. I believe they're right from, stayed over for me in Michigan. They made some of the coolest high-tech, uh, you know, carbon fiber handlebars, hubs with carbon fiber shells. It was that kind of a, you know, primitive rough carbon fiber if you will it's not kind of the super smooth uh, dialed and stuff today but you know anyway nuke proof big more of course in the enduro world downhillish type of thing vitus you know i've never really give two thoughts about vitus just because i don't see many of them anyway huge companies you know in within their their realms all part of this giant ecosystem 
So they're hurting. Uh, let's be honest. Sounds like they're having some serious problems. And they, this, I'm not surprised anybody who has tried to buy bikes or bike parts in the last few years has realized it's not as easy as it was in the glory days. You know, five years ago, you wanted to buy something, you could pretty much find it most any time of year. Maybe maybe entire bikes would be scarce during the uh, the year-to-year -year rollover in the summer, late summer. But other than that, you know, you needed pedals, you needed Shimano chain, no problem. Take your pick. So uh, you're starting to see a lot of these smaller companies and the larger companies now kind of maybe it's catching up to them. I don't know. I've certainly done my part of buying expensive and many bike parts the last two years. So don't blame me. But uh, yeah, so will we see some others hurting? You know, I don't know. On one hand, I say to myself, yeah, yeah, there's uh, something's coming down here. And then, and then Trek, you know, for example, comes out with their 24 models and the prices are sky high 10 12 grand again you know so no not grand they don't make their entire year profit on selling 10 to 15,000 bikes i'm sure they sell a zillion more 500 to 3,000 bikes but still it's not exactly makes me feel like i'm getting a deal anywhere and buying stuff on sale is not always predictable you end up something maybe you don't quite want just because it's on sale so we'll see what happens 24 could be an interesting year uh we'll see what happens let's move on there's a lot of good racing stuff maybe let's do some of that racing news and views racing 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 okay first off for me not that anybody cares again i realize this I still like talking about it. Iceman Cometh, Northern Michigan, two weeks from tomorrow. Very, very large event. It might be, if I remember them correctly saying, it's the largest single-day uh, mountain bike event in the entire country. They've been going at it for, I don't know, 30-something years, I think. Uh, it's one of those ones I always wanted to do, so I'm thinking it was maybe... Seven, eight years ago, I said, I'm going to do this race, and could have been 2016, maybe? I think it was. So that's about right, seven, eight years. Um, took the, the kids, the kids, uh, my kids were probably seven and 11 or something. Perfect age, there's a giant, uh, what do they call it, Great Wolf Lodge uh, in Traverse City, Michigan. You know, one of those big water, indoor water parks, and so I made a whole big deal out of it. I got a couple nights there, and problem was twofold. One, I was way out of shape in 2016. I was probably 200 pounds, about 40 over my my ideal race weight, and my bike was 26-inch steel hard-tailed V-brakes. Not that the bike matters. I'm not blaming the bike. I'm just saying I was very unprepared for such a long event in November um, when I hadn't just been riding very much at all that year. So I went into it thinking, oh, a piece of cake, 30-something miles. 
Uh, the day of the race, it was probably one of the worst, from what I've been told since, is one of the worst weather uh, days of the Iceman Cometh that they've they've ever had. It wasn't super cold. They've had cold days. It wasn't full of snow, but it was hovering right around 29 to, say, 34 degrees. So it was pouring rain at the start. Then it switched over to a little bit of hail, a little bit of sleet, a little bit of snow, and the ground was absolutely trashed. And it was like just every mile seemed like 10 miles. It was brutal. I, I actually, at one point, I didn't bring enough food, so then I kept stopping. They did have quite a few, if I remember, I don't know, four or five really nice like uh, aid stations with you know orange slices cut up for you and Gatorade and apples and whatever. So I ended up, I was just so wiped out that I would stop at these things and sit there for five, ten minutes, chat with the other fat racers who were out of shape and uh, trying to catch their breath, maybe scrape some mud off the, the drivetrain and then soldier on. I mean, I actually said out loud several times, I will never, ever do anything like this again. This was, that was up until, no, nah, I'd say that was probably the worst day I've ever had on a bicycle in 40 years of being uh, a biker. So that was it. Never to do it again. Wasn't worth it. Took me almost five hours by the time I came across the finish line. Uh, for some stupid reason, I did not have a cell phone with me. So uh, I don't know if you've ever been to this race, but the pick up and drop off is quite convoluted. There's so many people trying to get in and out. It's not like you can just pull up in a parking lot at the finish line and uh, and come look for somebody. My wife had to keep circling. They wouldn't let her stop for more than like 10 seconds. So um, since I didn't have a phone... I couldn't call her at the finish line and say, hey, I'm done. Come get me. Maybe let's meet down the street. She had to keep driving and circling. And my kids were little. They were in the van. We had a minivan with a DVD player back then. And I guess they just kept watching movies. And the kids were going crazy. Could not find me. I was not there yet. They kept circling for hours. Two or three hours they kept driving in circles. They would park near the finish line. They'd tell them to move. They'd go drive around the block a couple times. So eventually we hooked up there and that was it. So many things went wrong uh, that it just was a terrible experience. So here I am doing it again. Last couple years I got in on the waiting list because I really wasn't in the mood. You have to sign up I believe in March is when you generally get your name. It's kind of a lottery thing uh, from what I believe. You're not guaranteed to get in, although probably if you start in March. Anyway, I actually, I don't know, July thought, oh, you know, maybe that'll be good motivation for me to keep riding the rest of the summer into the fall. So I put my name on the wait list and I just found out maybe three, four weeks ago that I made it. I paid the fee and luckily, and this is still shocking, they had hotel rooms available, you know, basically a month and a half out at the resort where the actual uh, expo and packet pickup, kind of the race headquarters where it's at. They had rooms and they were cheap. 
think I paid a hundred bucks for a uh, room for four people right there at the resort. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how I pulled that off or how, if they really did hold rooms back or something. I don't know, but that was a miracle. Because uh, I pictured having to stay, you know, Detroit and drive four hours up there or something. So, am I in better shape this year? What's going to happen in two weeks? I, I've been pushing it pretty hard the last two weeks, and I have two more weeks to go. Been actually doing much longer rides, two hours minimum, and then two hard hours where I'm going kind of at my limit, realistic limit that I can sustain uh, for two to three hours. And then tomorrow I'm going for a four-hour monster. Again, not just uh, putting around, but actually trying to push a pace that I can keep. So we'll see what happens. I feel like I already would be in better shape going. I'm not 40 pounds overweight. I'm only about, you know, only about 20 this year. So 15 or 20, that's better than 40. Um, I got a modern bike. Uh, should be fine. And I know how to deal with the food thing. I know what to expect. So this should be great. Then then I go right into fat bike racing the very next weekend. The 11th of November starts the fat bike series. Anybody that's ever raced fat bike, anybody in the Midwest, upper Midwest who can get near Wisconsin, that is good, clean fun uh, right there. We'll talk more about that later. There's a lot of connections to the cross-country mountain bike world at these races, so that's kind of why I like doing them. All right, let's move on uh, with the Iceman coming. That'll be that. What else? Puck. Puck Petrusay. Um Got second at the Trek World Cup last weekend. Fem Van Empel, who is a Yumbo Visma rider, Top of the, she was probably, I think she's world champion and she won the overall, I believe, last year for uh, the elite women uh, cyclocross. She has dabbled in the cross country racing and has had, I don't want to say no success, but compared to what she's used to, I guess that's safe. She really hasn't done much. So she came and beat Puck. Now, I don't know what Fem Van Empel's been doing all summer. Uh, I don't know if she did all the World Cups in Europe. But we all know what Puck's done. Puck has been going full speed ahead, and she got second. So it shows that uh, is she going to keep going? I think she's going to take a little break. But other than that, I was kind of disappointed. There were almost no other cyclocross uh, racers that are also World Cup mountain bikers. Now, Casey Hildebrand, I did an interview with him earlier. A uh, local Wisconsin guy, he, he kicked butt, he did them. He's been racing almost every weekend now. Uh, he got 11th at one of the races, so I don't know. I like to watch. He's got a bike that's neon yellow, kind of a pinkish red specialized. It stands out a mile away, so it's kind of fun to watch uh, watch the coverage on GCN, and you could see him, you know, cruising through the through the scenes just by his bike, so congrats to him. I'm glad he... Just to even, I don't even know how you can even finish some of that at the speed they go in the elite cyclocross races for an hour. Just, it, it looks brutal. So that's pretty cool. What else is uh, there to talk about? What else? Little Sugar. Little Sugar 100K. Uh, part of the Lifetime Series. Uh, mountain bike race, 60 something miles. And uh, looks like a lot of it is single track and 
It's down there in Bentonville, Arkansas. Everybody calls it the Walmart, the Walmart Trails. Um, I found it interesting because all of the cross-country people in the U.S. seem to have more or less focused on gravel all year. The Keegan Swensons, the, uh, you know, even the, the Matt Beers, he's been over here all summer doing these gravel races. So there was a pretty, pretty thick field at the Little Sugar. And of course, uh, in case you didn't know, Tom Pidcock came from Mont St. Anne and actually raced the Little Sugar 100. Now that to me is the most interesting thing. I kept thinking, why would he want to do that? He's already been here for a couple of weeks. And it turns out, I believe he mentioned in one of his recent interviews about points. He's trying to get as many mountain bike points that he can so that he doesn't have to do a bunch of mountain bike racing in the spring. And he can go right into the Tour de France, all that stuff. So he didn't gain a lot of points finishing in 25th place, though. So that is probably a bummer. Sounds like, I believe I was told he had four flat tires. He just kept flatting and flatting. Uh, he's not alone. I mean, a lot of other people did. I think he ended up on a specialized tire somebody uh, gave him at one of the tech zones. So it did not sound like he had a great experience. I'm sure it was fun riding, but not not when you're trying to get points. He probably expected to be uh, at least on the podium, if not win an event like that. But uh, anyway, anyway, the Bentonville area is, of course, mount, sounds like mountain bike uh, heaven. Uh, if you've seen some of the videos of the Kerry Warner, uh, Kerry Werner, I'm sorry, not Warner, Kerry Werner, he's got a blog you've probably seen on YouTube. He he does a pretty good job. You could see a lot of the, the trails in Bentonville are literally just in neighborhoods. Like uh, the guy he was staying with, can't remember the dude's name, they went out of went out of their garage to do a quick course recon. And he rode down the street like a block turned a corner right in between two houses there's a trailhead and you just right there they're on the they're on the racetrack it sounds like the whole town that these trails are just kind of mixed in there that looked absolutely killer so yeah that was an interesting one that whole area rumor has it uh, they're going to build a world cup level racetrack and i could totally see and it would make perfect sense i don't know about the logistics of airports and hotels around Bentonville, but certainly for a place and a organization that loves mountain biking, a U.S. World Cup stop there would be ideal. Now, it's, it would not be ideal if you want to do Mont St. Anne. They clearly are trying to keep those bundled, a U.S. race and Mont St. Anne, which is why they moved it to New York, a much shorter drive now between the two races, so... I don't know, maybe we lose Mont St. Anne. I don't know exactly how it would work, but that would be pretty cool. I would be down there in a in a minute to see that one. So uh, the last thing, kind of a sucky thing, uh, Jose, they call him Uchoa. I don't know what his real, how to pronounce his name. The uh, Mexican uh, World Cup racer who, you know, won a short track. Seemed like he was on the way up. Um, he... He rides for Massey, I believe, in Spain. Massey, he's, they consider him the leader of the team. He missed three, not one, not two, but three out-of-competition tests. Um, no positive tests. They're, they're not saying he, you know, 
was caught with uh, doping. They're just saying he missed three tests, and apparently that's good enough for an 18-month uh, suspension. That's a that's two seasons basically. And he kind of had a post, you know, explaining it's an address thing, it's a location thing, moving back and forth from Europe, whatever. But that hardly seems like a good reason to be banned for two years. And now everybody's going to assume that you missed these because you were up to something no good. So I guess we won't be seeing much of him for the next couple years. See if he comes back later. I don't know. That sounds like that'd be a toughie. That's it for now. We got a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, talk about some gear, and then we'll wrap it. Thanks. Changing gears. More new stuff we don't really need. All right, let's talk useless stuff we don't really need. Uh, it's not too often when a new product is released, and I actually literally have a double take and think to myself, man, if I had all the money in the world, I'd grab me a couple of those. Well, one of them is the Italian company Ingrid. Now, they've been around for a very long time. I don't, you don't see their stuff, you know, on, you see their stuff on like Danger Home bikes and, you know, I can't imagine you're going to see a lot of it on, on, everyday you know cross-country racers bikes these are really kind of high-end stuff all cnc'd and 3d printed and all that type of thing but they have completed their drivetrain of cranks rear derailleur and shifter and i gotta be honest with you the stuff is my opinion it's stunning it looks absolutely killer the cranks look killer the Shifter itself is really unique. Now, Bike Rumor had a whole article on this. They even have road bike shifters. Um, and the rear derailleur looks kind of almost like the Paul derailleur from back in the day. Very kind of boxy, kind of straight angles. Beautiful colors, beautiful machining. Um, but to have that, the shifters would always... You know, seems like the compromise part, but it's just one paddle, forefinger, thumb, back and forth, that's it. Very, very industrial. This stuff is squared off and chiseled and, it's, you know, but I don't know. It, it just looks absolutely beautiful to me. The cranks are look almost like a, like military. Uh, actually, the whole, the whole series looks military. Uh, you know, if we need to know how much it is, we, you know, of course. We're talking 600 bucks for the derailleur. That's that's euros. What is that? So we're probably talking the same price as, you know, as an Axis wireless kit nowadays, a whole kit of gear. Um, but still, I don't even care. The colors, the styling, you know, they even have rubber boots they made that kind of go on the the flat part of the crank arm where your heel would typically rub. Instead of just, you know, putting a piece of sticker on there like like SRAM does, it's a piece of rubber kind of molded. I mean, even that looks cool. It's just one of the neatest looking systems I've seen. Does it work? Great, who knows? But if you're building one of those really cool bikes, uh, that's kind of just a display piece, you know, like one of the builder shows, that would probably be the way to go. I would catch some... You know, some eyeballs. So, what else 
is important about that is that with that and the Vivo, I believe it is, mechanical shifter that that's out where you get to change like 10 million combinations of uh, paddles, what sizes and shapes and distances from the center, uh, rotating point, all these things. It's kind of cool, and I can imagine that that's how the mechanical, the high-end mechanical uh, drivetrain is going to go in the future. It's going to be these little niche companies making extremely expensive, cool stuff, and then you're going to have a bunch of people go, oh, I don't need the electronic stuff, I'm, you know, I'm cool, I'm rocking the uh, mechanical. Perfectly fine, I get it. I have both right now, and I'm probably going to convert my second, my fat bike, over to the old SRAM axis. Probably going to do that this weekend. I have it sitting here, a whole cassette derailleur shifter, for many reasons other than main reason. I just saw that both my bikes are kind of using the same exact systems. It's nice to be able to swap things around. But I tell you, if uh, one of these Ingrid systems was in a local bike shop and I had my credit card handy and things were looking up, I might just put one of those and build up like a nice custom steel hardtail from KurtlowCycles.com, KurtlowCycles.com, and, and kind of build an old school, all machined kind of a bike, CNC machine kind of a thing. Pretty cool. It's Ingrid.bike. Uh, for their website. Go check that out. Uh, what else? Uh, there's an interesting thing, and I don't mean to be Trek-centric, but they sent an email with a link to an entire kind of a website dedicated to what they did to develop the Super Caliber Gen 2. All of the tests they did, and they, I don't know if they really amount to anything in the real world, but they put electronics on their bikes and they measured going over they tried to kind of recreate a terrain on a machine of running over you know smallish rocks and roots and and then tried to measure if this new gen 2 could actually save time and energy and it was very fascinating you should look it up i got it through an email it's on trek's website um, if you need more info, drop me a line. I'll let you know where it is. But after watching it, I just say to myself, they keep touting how much better. They actually compared Gen 1 to Gen 2 with bar graphs. Here's Gen 1 with 65 mil of travel. And here's how much energy you used. And here it is now that it's got 80 or 85 or whatever it is. It's 7%. Uh, more efficient and 7% this, and I just keep thinking to myself, you know, it'd be even better. How about 100? If 60, you know, if 65 was okay, 80 is so much better. How about getting right back to where you started with the, the top fuel and go to 100, 110 with an option for 120? Doesn't that, wouldn't that make it even more sense? I don't know why their truck is fighting the, uh, uh, rigidity, it's stiffer, I get all that, but is there much substitution for actual travel? Uh, they keep talking about rough, how rough the courses are now, and, and then it's like they're fighting. It's weird, I don't get it. How about 100? If, why not just keep it the way it was? Uh, like, you know, if you're going to go to a top tube type of a horizontal 
a shock system, which they did, then why not just add in the proper, I don't know. I guess I can, I, I still might end up with one because they're easier to find around here and I want the two water bottles really bad. But interesting how that goes. Uh, what else? I think that's probably going to do it for today. I got a couple other things that I'd like to talk about, but I'll wait till next week when there's a couple new products I know that are coming out that we can talk about. And I got some good old school stuff for next week that will kind of crack you up. All right, that's it. Have a good weekend and see you later. Thank you ever so much for listening to Short Travel Magazine. 